So this morning, we're going to go ahead and, and continue on in this series of, of who we are as a people at Living Hope Family Church. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about basically the culture of Living Hope Family Church, who we are, what we believe, and we're going to go ahead and continue on with that this morning. And if you guys remember two weeks ago, this was the title I put up there for the first message, and it was the wrong one. You got a sneak peek for this morning, and I know you guys have been waiting in anticipation. I mean, the, the amount of phone calls that I got asking about when was the a people who pray when, well, nobody called. But I know that's what you guys were feeling, and you're, you were waiting for this one. I could tell. So I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys what, give the people what they want, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now this promise was given to the people of Israel. But I want you to know, you know what the scripture says? The scripture says that every promise is yes in him. That means the promises that were made to, to Israel are, are ours as well in Jesus Christ. And this is what it says. If, we were called, if people are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and then turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. How many know that our land right now needs some healing? It is a, uh, a, just a mess out there. I mean, people are at each other's throats. It's, I mean, I thought it was bad when the last president took office. And now it's, it doesn't seem like we're coming together as a country. We just continue to be divided and ripped apart. People are fighting with one another. And I mean, we're just, you just have to go on Facebook for a few moments and just see some of the stuff that's posted. And it just makes your heart hurt for this country. For both sides. It doesn't have to be the side you agree with. People are still hurting. And this country needs healing right now. We need to begin to pray and ask God to fix what's going on. And the other important thing about prayer is that how many know you can't have a relationship without communication? You can't have one at all. I mean, I, I can't imagine if I went home, my wife just wouldn't talk to me. Or I wouldn't talk to her. I can't imagine what would happen to that relationship. I can't imagine what it would look like because there would really be no relationship. There would be nothing there. Some of you guys are like, I don't know, that sounds kind of good. <laughs> so, man, maybe part-time she could just not say anything. Look, I wouldn't laugh. You're going to be in trouble when you get home, guys. Man, I'm going to get a bunch of counseling requests after this now. Hallelujah. But you can't have a relationship without communication. And when we pray, we're speaking directly to God. We're not going through somebody else. We're not, it's, we have a direct line to heaven because the veil was torn, amen? And did you know that God will also speak to you when you're praying to him? He will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you. You guys ever, ever been praying and you hear that voice inside your head and you're like, man, what's that? It sounds kind of like me. It sounds like the words in your own head, but that, God will speak to you when you were praying. Some of you are going like, man, I don't even know what God wants me to do. Does God have a plan for my life? What does he want me to do? Well, I ask you, have you ever asked him? Have you ever sat down and said, God, show me what you want for my life? What, what do you want for me to do? God will answer you. He will speak to you in prayer. Amen? Now I got my clicker working and it's still not working. All right, you're still going to help me out. 
praise God. Wait for it. Okay, I think mine's working. <laughs> We're fighting with each other. Praise God. Acts 10, 1 through 4. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the, and about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius... And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So this is what I was talking about a second ago. We all know that when we pray, God hears our prayers. And if you don't know that, stick with me. You're going to know that by the end of today. But when we pray, God hears our prayers. But also God will speak to us when we are praying as well. Now, Cornelius is an interesting situation because Cornelius isn't saved. He's not Jewish. He doesn't have any of that stuff going on for him. He couldn't offer sacrifices in the temple, but he was doing the best he could to honor God with what he had. But ultimately, he was coming up short. Even with all that, doing all the right things, just like for us, is is not going to, to make you right with God. We can do all the good things that we want, but we're always going to come up short. But he began to pray. And some of his prayers must have been in regards to salvation because he says to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. He's praying for this stuff and God answered him. And he he spoke to him. Has anybody ever had God speak to you out loud? Yeah? Yeah? Not me. I've known it doesn't happen very often. Very few people have God speaking to them out loud. But God does want to speak to us. He wants to let us know His plans so that we can be a part of His plans. Because sometimes you have to say yes to God. He's going to speak to you, but we can still ignore God. I can tell you that I, I hear God very clearly all the time. I, some people say, I can't hear God. I don't have that problem. I hear God all the time. You want to know what my problem is? Listening to God. Because sometimes I decide that what he wants isn't what I want, and I begin to do other things. Or I just like, sorry, I can't hear. You're breaking up. God can't hear you. It was uh, one time I was reading this thing, and this, this, this daughter is texting her mom, and she's like, hey, mom, I need something. And her mom writes back, you're breaking up, text back. She says, mom, that doesn't work in a text. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I have, sometimes I have problems listening to what God has to say for my life. But when we pray, God hears our prayers, and he will speak back to you. And God will speak back to you in your own voice. That's the one thing that confuses people because you'll, you'll hear God in your own, the, the voice that you hear in your head, you know, when you're thinking out loud, that voice, that's how God will speak to you is through that voice. And rarely it's in an audible voice. Rarely, for most people, it's not. But you'll begin, you'll begin you know, reading your Bible and you're praying to God and all of a sudden a, a scripture will pop into your head. And, you're, and, and that'll be God speaking to you, bringing something to your mind and your own voice and your own head will be bringing it to you. And that'll be God speaking to you. Be like, well, how do I know that's God? What if it's the devil? The devil's not going to send scriptures to your head. The devil's not trying to trick you into doing stuff like that. And you'll begin reading and something that you've read hundreds of times will begin to stand out to you because that's God trying to speak to you through his word. 
And then you'll begin to have a revelation like, wow, what, is, what does this mean to me? I've read this a hundred times. It's never made any sense. And now it stands out and it means something to my life because God is speaking to you. And there's the easiest test ever to know if it is your own head or if it's the devil or any of those things or if it's God is does it align with the word of God? If it aligns with the word of God, then it's God speaking to you. It's as simple as that. And if it doesn't align with the word of God, then it's not God speaking to you. You know, if you, you begin praying and something pops into your head and it says, man, God really wants me to have uh, $10,000 and, and, and I think he wants me to go rob that, uh, that bank over there. That's not going to be God speaking to you. That's, that's something else going on. But when you're praying and you hear, I want you to go and speak to your coworker this morning and, and tell him about me. That's God speaking to you. That's God encouraging you to do something. When you hear something in your voice saying, man, stuff's just too busy and, and I don't think I can, I, can, I can go to church or I don't think I can give or I can't, that's not God speaking to you. But when you hear God encouraging you to do something that's scriptural, that's God speaking to you. And that's the easy test. Does it align with the word of God? It's not rocket science. It's not anything mystical or magical. When you hear God speaking, if it's aligned with his word, then it's him. Now the trick is, is that how will you know if it's aligned with God's word? And you're not going to know that if you don't spend time in his word. If you don't spend time reading, you should be reading your Bible every single day. That's what I try to do. Notice I said try. I don't, I don't do it every day. And I don't let it beat me up either because I'm going to continue to honor God. And if I miss a day, I'm not going to feel guilty about it and let it ruin my life. Instead, I'm going to get up the next morning and read my Bible. It's as simple as that. But as you read, he'll begin to show you who you are in him. You'll begin to see the will of God more clearly. And you'll be able to, to recognize it even when you don't have the Bible in front of you because it'll, it'll stick in your heart. Even today... I rarely know where a scripture is, what, what verse, what book and verses. I remember scriptures, but I don't remember where it's at. When I write messages, man, I'm the king of Google. Google is the best search engine for scriptures. Which, like, it works so much better than any fancy Bible software that I have. I use Google. I can find anything. You just have to remember what it kind of sounds like, and Google will bring that up, and you can look up that verse, and you can read what it says. And I don't, I don't know the word by heart. And I don't know where every single scripture is, but I'm getting better at it every single day. And the more I read, the more I remember. And I'm still kind of terrible at, at the verse numbers and, and chapters, but I, the word of God comes to me because I've read it. And the same will happen to you. And if you, if you don't read regularly and you're just getting started, here's what I'd recommend to you. Start in the book of John. That's the third book in the New Testament. And read all the way through Jude, which is the second to last book in the New Testament. Skip Revelation, go back to John. Read John to Jude. Read John to... Do that about 10 times before you even go back to read the Old Testament, before you go back. Because once you do that, you're going to have a better understanding of what Jesus did and what God did through him. And then all that crazy stuff in the Old Testament will start to make sense to you a little bit more. And if you start in the Old Testament without reading the New Testament, you're going to begin to think that God is vindictive and he just wants to beat people over the leg with a stick. But he doesn't. And when you see what he accomplished in his son, how he gave everything, you recognize what is happening. 
But as you begin to read, you're going to know what God's will is. And today is supposed to be about prayer, not about reading your Bible, so I'll move on. But that's important if you want to know what is God's voice or what's the voice of something else. Amen? In Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, we're going to begin to see, as we talk about praying, you know, we said we need to pray. We need to pray for our country and what's going on. When we pray, we're speaking to God. But sometimes it can be helpful. Well, what are the kind of things that I should be praying for? In Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you might know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might." If you ever want to know what to pray for, once again, dig into the Word and see. You guys have probably heard me pray hundreds of times before we start a a, a message. Let me go back one more. Because it's not listening to me. There we go. You guys have probably heard me say a hundred times when we start a message, Lord, I pray that our, our eyes would be open, our hearts would be open. You're like, man, he's super spiritual. I cheated. I just read it. It says right here. It says right here. Oh, I went too far. That's not where it says it. Too, too far again. What's going on here? He says, having, I pray that you have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I'm not super clever. I just pray what the Word says. When I pray, I pray that stuff all the time because I know it's in line with the Word of God, with the will of God, because it's in His Word. Amen? He says, these are the kind of things that we should be praying for. Pray that our eyes are open. Pray that... Uh, that we may be given a spirit of wisdom. Anybody want wisdom? Pray for it. And that is in line with the will of God. Another scripture actually says that if we pray for wisdom, God will give it to us without reproach. I don't know where it's at. Google it. But that's what it says. He will give you a spirit of wisdom. It's in James. Google or Candace it. Whatever works out for you. So, but it says that he gives it with generously and without reproach. He says... Pray that we'd have a revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that all the time. Not being clever. Just repeating what Paul already prayed. I know it's the will of God. He says that we want to have our eyes open and we need to know what is the hope of what He has called us. We need to understand and have a revelation of the hope that we have inside of us. Pray for this stuff. And we need to do it in the knowledge of Him. That means that we pray all these things in Jesus. And we understand these things. And man, all these things are great things to pray for yourself and to pray for others because Lord knows that we need these things. We need revelation. We need to have our eyes open to what the Word says so that when we step out, we can step out in power and in boldness instead of timidity because we don't know what's going on. Amen? And He wants us to know the power that is available to us as well. He says, I pray that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. And we should be praying that we understand that. And the thing about revelation, the reason why that's so important, because how many of you know that there is a difference between book knowledge or head knowledge and a real revelation of what's going on? You know, we can read our Bible and, and we, we see it on the page and we understand that we're forgiven. 
But until you have a revelation of that forgiveness, you still might feel like you're not forgiven. You're like, I get it on paper, it makes sense, but that's not how I feel. It's not real in my life. And that's where revelation comes in. We need a revelation of that. We need a revelation that we are healed in His name by His stripes. Because we can read that on paper all day long, but until we get that inside of our spirit, inside of our heart, it doesn't do anything for us. Amen? Let's go to the... Uh Oh, sorry about that. Somehow this thing just shut off. Let's go to the next one here. Oh, it's going to be one of those days. I thought we had everything worked out, and now we're bouncing back and forth. James, (laughs) uh, James four two through three says, "You desire and do not have, so you murder." You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on our passions. So the next thing that we should be praying for is for provision in our life. It's okay to pray for provision in our life, to pray if you need something. The Scripture says that that when we pray, God already knows that we need these things, but it also says that we should pray for them anyway. And he says, you desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. What he's saying is, is you need these things. God knows you need these things, but because you're not asking him for them, it's not being provided and it's causing strife in your life. It's causing problems in your life. When instead of God being able to provide them for because he just wants you to ask in faith, to believe that he'll take care of you. Instead, you don't have what you need and you're looking to legitimate places to fulfill a need that you have instead of looking to him to take care of you. Amen? We should be praying for this stuff. And it doesn't matter if it's little or small. That's probably one of the the dumbest attitudes that we get in our head is we think, oh, I don't want to bother God with that. It's just too small. It's too petty. And we think, you know, he can't be bothered with that because somehow if he gets gets bombarded with too much petty stuff, we're going to overwhelm God. What kind of ego do you have to think that your little things can overwhelm God? But the truth is, is that he wants to take care of the little things. I mean, how many of you, are ch- of you have children, and even if your kids ask for something little, that you, you don't have a desire to fulfill that, or particularly for, for legitimate needs? I mean, none of us have ever said, really, we fed you yesterday. Do you really need to eat again? I mean, that's just a little too much. The reality is, is that we sh- it doesn't matter how big or small it is, and God doesn't care either. He just wants you to trust Him, to begin to speak to Him, to ask Him. Amen? And 1 John five fourteen through 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask of Him. We can speak to God in confidence, knowing that He hears us. And if we ask according to His will, it'll be given to us. Now that's the trick, though, is people wonder, well, how do I know if it's according to His will? And that, it's the same thing. Does it align with the Word of God? But I'm going to tell you another little secret that most people don't get. And it's going to take a little bit of spiritual maturity to kind of understand where I'm going with this. But the reality is, is that if you are walking with God, if you are in step with the Holy Spirit, if you are reading your word, you're praying regularly and your eyes are on Christ, 
You're not going to ask for stuff that doesn't align with the will of God. Somebody that's reading the word and spending time with that stuff is not going to ask that his neighbor's wife, they get a divorce so he can marry his neighbor's wife, right? The, the person that is walking with the will of God is not going to be praying for the next big cocaine uh, acquisition. Amen? Because when we are in step with God, our thoughts, we're going to be praying for things that are, that are godly. We're going to be praying, Father, Lord, let people come into the church and be saved. Father, I, I just ask that we would have provision, that we would have more than enough so that we can be generous. Father, we thank you that we have a roof over our head. You're going to pray for those kind of things, and those are in line with the will of God. And if you're walking with him, you're not going to be praying for those things. And if you're confused, find out, does it align with the word of God? Amen? And he says that the reason why is we still don't have when we do ask is because we ask and it's half-hearted. He says we ask wrongly. One, we ask for, for stuff that's just going to fuel our passions, our benefit, or we ask in ways where we're, we're not actually, uh, we're being double-minded about these things. We're being wishy-washy. But we need to have just trust in him that he's going to provide. And we need to, he should be the first person that we reach out for whenever we have a need. I want to tell you a story, and I, many of you guys have heard this one before, but I think it's a fantastic story. It was about, about a guy named Mark Aston Smith. And when this happened, he was 33 years old. He was a lecturer at Cambridge University, and he decided that he was going to go on a kayaking trip. So he gets out there, they're going and doing some whitewater rafting, they're having a good time. But then he turns his kayak over. And he begins, he falls out of it, and he, he's, he's going down these rapids, and he's, I don't know if he's hung up on a rock or whatever it is, but he can't get out of the water himself. He's just hanging on to his kayak, things going crazy around him, and he pulls out his phone. And who do you think the pers- first person that he called was? Who would you have called? This guy calls his dad. I'd be like, idiot, you should have called somebody closer. But he calls his dad. And they're like, wow, that doesn't make any sense. And his dad is not even in the same country as him. I think his dad is, he's over in in Dubai, 3,500 miles away from him. And he's training British soldiers over there. And he calls his dad. It's not like he's going to drive down real quick to the river and pull him out. It doesn't make any sense. Why would he call his dad? But what happens is his dad gets on the phone. Here's what's going on with his son. He calls the Coast Guard. The nearest Coast Guard, which happens to only be less than half a mile away, they fly a helicopter in and they pull him out. And he's saved. And it's, he called his dad. But the truth is, that should be the first person that we call out to when we're in trouble. When it, just like that guy, when we have some issues, we shouldn't be trying to figure out how the government can fix it. We shouldn't be trying to figure out how some more overtime is going to fix it or how one of our neighbors are going to fix it. We should begin to pray to God. And ask him to fix it. And you'll be amazed when you begin to do that instead of trying to do it yourself. You'll be finding out that God will arrange that your job will take care of your issue. God will arrange that your government will help out in your issue. God will arrange that that other things will come. And you'll find you being taken care of and provided by in ways that you never imagined. If you would just begin to ask him. Amen? And if you ask, you will receive it. We have to believe that, church. Because if you don't believe that, you'll never ask. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. 
It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The next thing that we can do in prayer is begin to hand over all of our anxieties. Anxiety is a killer. If you are anxious about stuff, it will mess with your life in ways that you could never imagine. And there are so many, I mean, to the point where some people have anxiety so bad that it can, that it can impact the way that they live their lives. And if you're not careful with that, it can get so bad that some people are, are even having to take medication to deal with it. There are some people that are so anxious that they can't even leave their house. But anxiety is something that will mess you up if you don't deal with it. And as Christians, we have the great fortune and the great pleasure to be able to give our anxieties over to God. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because we can ask by prayer and supplication, we can ask Him and God will take care of it. Anxiety ultimately is just caused by fear. We're afraid of something that's going to happen and what happens usually with those people is they begin to replay every possible situation that could happen and they become afraid of things that will likely never happen. But, but God says, you know what? Lay that, give that stuff to me. Trust in me. All those things that you're worried about, trust me to take care of them and hand them over to him. And he says, and do it in supplication with thanksgiving. Supplication is just humble prayer. We're not telling God he has to do these things. We're saying, God, thank you that you love me enough to take care of these things. And when you do that, you let those requests be made known to God. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. You guys ever heard me to pray for you and I've said, I just pray that you'd have a peace that surpasses all understanding? Not clever, just reading from the Bible. It's easy to pray. Just begin to repeat these things. Trust Him, amen? And give your anxieties to Him. I once knew a person who <clears throat> was praying, and there was a, uh, I don't know if it was a, a pastor there or somebody was there, but they walked up to them and they said, you know what, I, while you were praying and while I was praying, God gave me a vision about you. And he said that the vision is, is that you were walking down a road and you had these huge massive sacks of, of goods on your back and, and there were so much, they were so overwhelming. And you were walking, you could barely make it, and then somebody came up with a cart and said, hey, um, do you need a ride? And you said, sure. And you jumped up in the cart, but you never set the bags down. You just kept them on your shoulders, even though somebody came who was willing to, to bear that load. And so many of us are just like that. God comes around and says, give me those. Let me, let me take you. And we get halfway in, but we still hold on to them with everything that we have instead of just giving them to God so he can remove that burden from us. Amen. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you, and He will never permit the righteous to be moved. How many of you here this morning are righteous? Alright, we're going we're gonna to redo this. How many in here know Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Raise your hand. Now, don't put your hands down. Keep them up. How many of you in here are righteous? That's the same answer. You're not righteous because of what you do. So man, I just asked that question and many of you went like, man, you don't even know what I did this morning, let alone last week. 
Like, there's no way I'm righteous. But the truth is, you're not righteous based on what you've done. You're righteous based on what He's done. And this is what the Scripture says. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. What does that mean to be moved? He's never going to permit you to be bowled over if you'll just trust Him. Amen? And begin to talk to Him about these things. Philippians 1, 3-4 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. You know, the next thing that we should be praying about is the people around about us. The, the people that we go to church with, the people that we work with, our friends, our family members. This is <clears throat> Paul here saying, I, th- I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. And Philemon 1.4 says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians 2, or 1, sorry, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 3 says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be praying for others. So many Christians kind of get in this attitude of, of Lord, bless us, us for, and no more. You know, we just pray for our family and we forget about everybody else. But we should be praying for one another. You should be praying for everybody in this room. Write their names down. Keep a journal. Say, look, we got, you know, 30, 40 people in here. I'm going to pray for five on Monday, five on Tuesday, five on Wednesday. And begin to pray for one another. Pray for people. Pray specifically for people. We don't want to get into the, oh Lord, bless everybody in my church and call it done. But begin to pray for the people that you know. The truth is, is that as a church, you guys have heard me, we're a family. And when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us rejoice, we all rejoice. And we should be lifting up one another in prayer. And I pray all the time for my microphone to stay on. Hallelujah. I pray all the time for you guys. I pray that you would be blessed, that you would have more than enough. I pray that you would continue to grow in maturity. I pray that you would rise up to the call of God on your life, that you would not only be blessed yourselves, that you would be a blessing to others. And we should all be doing that for one another. And I know you guys pray for me because I wouldn't be here today if you guys weren't praying for me, but not just me. The people that are around you, look around. Write their names down and pray for them. Amen? And James five fourteen through 16 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Let's look at this one backwards. One, the prayer of a righteous person. Remember we just figured out who's righteous in this room? Everyone is saved, right? That means that your prayers have great power. Like, wait a minute. Are you sure, Pastor Wayne? I'm sure. That's what the Bible says. Your prayers have great power. 
You don't have to have a pastor pray for you. You don't have to have somebody that you think is super spiritual pray for you. Begin to pray for yourself. Pray for your kids. Pray for your family. Pray for your city. Pray for the school around you. Pray Because your prayers have great power. And God is listening when you speak. Amen? He hears you. Then he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What's this talking about here? This doesn't mean that every time you mess up to go and, and, and God's not asking you to air your dirty laundry. That's not what he's asking you to do. What he's saying is, is that if you, if you sin against somebody, if you do something against, if you hurt somebody, then go talk to them about it and say, hey, look, I, I realize I did this. And I am sorry. And don't do the, don't do the old, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I offended you. Well, they're upset. You did offend them. It's not if you offended them. Just say, I'm sorry that I offended you. What if, what if I didn't mean to do it? You probably didn't. Most people receive offense way more often than it's atten- intended. Most of us aren't trying to offend people, but we do. So just say, hey, I'm sorry that I offended you. Would you please forgive me? Pastor Wayne, I didn't do it on purpose. Why should I ask for forgiveness? It's not about you. It's about them. They're hurt. You hurt them, whether you intended to or not. And that's what he says. Confess your sins to one another. Say, hey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then he says that you may be healed. And that relationship may be healed. We should also be praying for healing for one another. He says, if any one of you is sick, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This oil here is probably not anything special. If you think about those days, um, oil was used as a medicinal component. They used oil to treat everything. Kind of like the Greeks, you put Windex on it. Like my mom said, you got to put some dirt on it. You'll be fine. No, she didn't say that. Don't tell her that. Somebody said that, though. I wish she would have said that. Hallelujah. But yeah, it's, it's, it was a medicinal thing. So that means, hey, if you got a headache, go ask for the, for the pastor and the elders of the church to pray for you and take some ibuprofen. That's basically what it's saying, right? So when we go, we lay hands on the sick and we pray for them. And some of you guys have had sicknesses. I know because I'll find out later you weren't feeling well. I'm like, why don't you come up to get prayed for? And most of you are in that, that boat going, well, I think it's, it's, uh, it's just not big enough for God to deal with. But God wants to take care. Or otherwise, it was what me and Jan were talking about this morning. I always have to remember to, uh, and I don't always remember, but I try to remember to grab one of these bad boys before I come up here. Because after a half hour of singing and preaching for 45 minutes or, or however long I'm, I'm preaching, I imagine that might be why some of you don't come and get prayed for. You know, I'm trying to lay, I'm laying hands on you for like this. Like, if you ever look at me laying, praying for you, but I'm turned away, I'm just trying to save your life. You should be thankful, be rejoicing. That I'm laying hands with my head turned the other way. You know, and some, you know, one day as we're coming up here, I'm like, man, laying hands on people, they all keep falling back, slaying in the spirit. The power of God is strong in this one. But really, it's because I preached for too long, my mouth is dry, and people are just like, I'm like, be healed, and they're just falling over. <laughs> Hallelujah. But come up and get prayed for, I promise. I'll try to remember a mint. And the scripture says that if you do, that you will be prayered because the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. You will get healed. Amen. If 
1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. When it says that we should be praying for all men, it doesn't mean that we should just be praying for those of us who are in the church as well. We shouldn't just be praying for Christians. We need to be praying for our leadership in this country, in this city. Are we praying that our city would prosper? Are we praying that our neighbors would prosper and be in good health? When he's talking to them right now, this was a time when the the Jewish people were being oppressed by the Romans, and he's saying, hey, pray for Caesar. And they're like, what? He was telling them, pray for kings, for people in high positions. And he says, why do you want to do that? So that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Because if we pray for them and God's moving in them and their heart gets touched, then it's going to trickle down and affect the way we live. The reason we're having so much trouble in this country right now is because nobody's focused on God. Everybody's focused on their self, and we all have different ideas of what is right in our own eyes. Amen? But we need to be praying for even our leaders in this country. It doesn't matter who's the president. You need to be praying for them, that God would touch their heart, that they would make wide decision, wise decisions. And some of you, a few like, uh, last year were like, there's no way I'm praying for that person. And some of you this year are like, there's no way I'm praying for that person. But God doesn't say, if you like the person in office, pray for them. He says, pray for them. Matter of fact, if you don't like something about them, your best bet would be praying that God would touch their heart and change their heart in that area. Amen? Pray for them to be touched. Pray for them that they would have a real experience with Jesus Christ and they would begin to change their hearts. Pray for not just our president, but also his cabinet members. Pray for our congressmen and women. Pray for all of them that they would be touched, that they would have an opportunity to hear the gospel, that their hearts would be changed. Because the truth is, the laws in this country are not going to fix anything. It doesn't matter. Even if every law that was ever passed were godly laws, If the hearts of man are not changed, nothing is going to be accomplished. Nothing is going to change. But if you want to see different laws, if you want to see different things going on, pray that our leaders would be touched by God. Because out of that, those laws and stuff will change. All of that stuff will will change because out of their heart. And this also means that we should be loving and praying for our enemies as well. Matthew 5, 43-44 says, You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Some of you are like, I already do this. I prayed for that that fool to get hit by a bus. (laughs) That's that's not what we're talking about. That's that's not it. It means that you, you, you pray for them, that they would be redeemed, that they would be made new, that they would be forgiven that they would recognize the love of Jesus Christ for them. And that means that we should be forgiving them as well, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. It doesn't mean that what they've done is excused. Don't misunderstand forgiveness. That's not what it's about. But we forgive him because he forgives us. Amen? Amen. 2 Thessalonians 1.11-12 says, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord 
Jesus Christ. When we pray, we should be expecting great things because we need his power inside of us today just as much as any other time. He says, listen, we pray that you'd be made worthy of his calling and he may fulfill and resolve for good every work of faith by his power. Pray that we have his power inside of us. Philip Brooks, who was the guy who wrote A Little Town of Bethlehem, he said this, he said, do not pray for easy lives, but pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. We need to be praying that we're filled with the power of God to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. Paul prayed that our desire for goodness would be fulfilled by God and that our works of faith would be fulfilled and not just fulfilled, but fulfilled with power, making a difference in people's lives. That's why Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Amen? And it's not for our glory, it's for His glory. And Luke 11, 1 through 4 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught His disciples. And He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. If you ever want to know how to pray, this is the pattern that was given for us by Jesus. Now, this isn't the exact words that you're supposed to, to pray. If you look at particularly the, the way that they taught back then, they taught these things in patterns. So this was the pattern of how you were supposed to pray. And the way it starts out with is he says, the first request is that the Father's name be hallowed. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. What does that mean to be hallowed? That just means to set apart or to sanctify. That means the, the, the request here was to honor God when you pray. When you pray, the first thing you should start out with is begin to thank God, to begin to give Him glory, to begin to honor Him, to begin to worship in, in your prayer. That's how you should start every prayer. Let's begin to glorify God. Second, he says, he says, pray your kingdom come. And this is talking about uh, that they've been, they've been praying for, for God's kingdom to come. They've been praying for God's will to be done on earth. That's what we should be praying, is that His will be done on earth. Amen? And that His kingdom come through Jesus, that people would get saved. We're praying for God's church to grow. That's the next thing that should be an important part of our prayer. The next request was for daily bread. This is just a general term that, hey, ask God for the stuff that you need. You need money to get your car fixed? Ask God for it. You need to make sure you have enough food? Ask God for it. Ask, don't forget to ask God for your needs. Like we talked about earlier, we, we have not because we ask not. The next one he, he starts talking about, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone else. It begins talking about your relationship with God. Luke had already linked the forgiveness of sins to faith by this time in the writing. Hallelujah. And you can see that in, in, in Luke seven thirty six through 50, and it's really the story of the, the woman that poured the the, Jesus, the perfume at the, the feet of Jesus. And you remember Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this has already been linked together. Forgiveness has to do with Jesus. 
So when we begin to pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we also forgive others, we just begin to recognize that we are forgiven. Begin to thank God that you're forgiven. Thank God that you've been made brand new. Thank God for his promises inside of you. And the attitude that we should have in our heart is forgiveness of others because of the great forgiveness that we've already received. Amen? We don't want to be like the, the guy who was forgiven his massive debt from the, from the king, and then when he got done, he got forgiven all of that debt. He goes back and chokes one of his fellow slaves for a few bucks. No, we need to recognize the greatness of what we have, what we've been forgiven, and extend that to others. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. That's the fifth request. And what this means is that God doesn't lead you in temptation. The scripture says that God tempts no one and he himself cannot be tempted. So this isn't referring to asking God not to lead you into to tempt, asking God not to tempt you, but rather we're asking God to deliver us from areas in which we'd be tempted, to give us the strength. The scripture says that whenever we are tempted, God provides a way out. That's what we're praying for is that way out, that we would recognize it and that we would act upon it. Amen. So all this is is a simple pattern for us how to pray. So we go over it again. What are we going to do? We're going to start with glorifying God. Father, hallowed be your name. And then we're going to say your kingdom come. We're, we're praying for God's will to be done on earth, for his son to, to come and, and invade everybody's lives, so that his kingdom would grow. And then we're going to go ahead and, and ask, give us each day our daily bread, basically ask for provision. And then we're going to recognize that we are forgiven in him. And as a result, have the heart attitude that we forgive others. And finally, we just ask that we be delivered from any situation that would put us in a position where we're not honoring him amen james 1 6 through 8 says but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that a person for that a person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the lord he is a double-minded man unstable in all of his ways the next thing when we're praying, we need to make sure that we're praying in faith, that we're going to God and saying, and here's the way I would recommend that you do it. Instead of asking God to, to give you things, to take care of things, begin to thank God that those things have already been taken care of. Instead of saying, God, forgive me for this sin, say, God, I thank you that you've already forgiven me for this sin. And saying, instead of saying, God, please, 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 please heal me, say, God, I thank you that you've healed me. When you say, God, thank you, for, instead of saying, God, please provide this, say, thank you, Father, that you've provided this. And you'll notice it's, it's a slightly different of the way we speak and it's how we think. Because when you're speaking that way, you're recognizing those things have already been given to you. You're asking in faith instead of asking in doubting. You're not doing the, one of the craziest things that you should ever pray and actually never pray is, Lord, if it's your will, do this stuff. That's not for God. That's for us. We're somehow trying to leave ourselves a way out if our prayer's not answered. We go, oh, it must not have been God's will. Well, if you're sick and you're not getting better, it's not God's will that you stay sick. People drive me crazy. Lord, if it must not have been God's will that that person was healed. That's just asinine. God wants you healed. God wants the best for you. And there's a devil who wants something different. But don't begin to, to, begin to 
to somehow think that God wants you to be hurting, that she wants you to have cancer or diabetes or any other kind of stuff. That's not what God wants for you. And it is not his will for you to stay that way. How do I know that? Because when Jesus was ministering to people, Jesus never said, yeah, I know you're asking for healing, but you're going to have to come back in a little while so you get your life figured out a little bit. Jesus never acted that way. Every time someone came to Jesus, he touched him, he healed them, he took care of them. The scripture says that by his stripes we are healed. He sent his son so that we didn't have to remain in that position. So it is God's will for you to be healed. It is God's will for you to be delivered. It is God's will for you to be victorious. It is God's will for you to be more than a conqueror. It is God's will for you to live righteous and holy. And it is God's will for you to be loved. Amen? But let's not be double-minded about it. When we ask, let's believe that we've received the things that we've asked for. Amen? Mark eleven twenty three through 24 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Right? This is talking about the same thing. I want you to understand, Christian, that when you pray, you have authority. You have authority. But I've only been a Christian for a short time. It doesn't matter. You have authority. And it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus inside of you. He has given you the authority. And the scripture says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not down his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it'll be done for him. Believe. And this is this seems like such an impossible thing. This seems like it's such a, I mean, how could we have that kind of power? You have power when you pray. You guys remember that when uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, were like, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on this city that's rejected you? And it's like, you don't know what spirit you're of. Did you notice Jesus didn't say, you don't have that kind of power, or that would be impossible? Jesus said, hey, back the truck up. Don't be praying those things. Because they had power in their prayer. The truth is, is that we have authority when we pray and we can take authority over these things. And the problem is, is so many times in our life, we begin to beg God to take care of something. Father, please do this. Pretty, pretty, please do this. Or or, Father, if you'll just do this, then I'll just do this for the rest of my life. And we begin to make uh, uh, bargains with God. We begin to beg God when the truth is, God just says, you know what? Sometimes you need to speak to your problems. Instead of telling our problems about, or instead of telling God about our problems, which is what most of us do we need to take a moment and start telling our problems about our god begin to tell these things that are coming against us that you have no right in my life i was bought with a price i'm forgiven i'm free i'm strong i'm delivered begin to tell these things that are impacting your life what god has already done for you that he's moved through you and then whatever we do believe that we've received it amen romans 8 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches his heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saint according to the will of God. Now, we've been talking about prayer this whole time. It's talking about praying in our our normal voice, our normal words. But now we're going to begin to talk about praying in the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says that we need to be doing that because the Spirit helps us in our, in our weakness. 
That means that we need to begin to pray in the Spirit. And yes, that means praying in tongues. And some of you guys are like, man, that's weird, praying in tongues. Have you ever heard anybody do it? Yep, I've heard it. Yep, it's weird. Let's get that out of the way. We all agree. It's odd. You know, when people begin to pray in words and in tongues, it sounds weird. It doesn't make any sense to us. And we've been taught our whole life that that kind of stuff is weird. But the truth is, it's scriptural. And the scripture says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And he says, we don't know what know what to pray. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. That's praying in tongues. That's speaking in a language that you don't understand. And it's important that we do that. And we're gonna, this is just going to be a brief introduction. We're going to spend an entire message uh, here coming up about us being a people who believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit here coming up soon. And then after this, we're going back into the, to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to finish that out. And there's a pretty massive section on, on the gifts of the Spirit, and, and particularly speaking and praying in tongues in that portion. We're going to see what the Scripture has to say about it. But it's important that we, we, we do this because sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought. And when you pray in tongues, you can't understand it. The scripture said your mind is unfruitful, but you're speaking directly to God. And 1 Corinthians 14.2 says that, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.14-15 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Also, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. We need to do both. We need to be praying with the words that we grow up and know, and we need to be praying and singing in tongues as well. And if you don't already speak in tongues and you would like to, the Scripture says that if, if we ask, God is faithful. He'll give us what we ask for. So if you would like to do that, come up after service, and I would love to pray with you that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And also, like I said, we're going to be learning a lot more about this because that's the hardest part of people getting over this is because it sounds weird. And I'm not going to lie. Like I said, it is. It sounds weird, but it is scriptural. Amen? Acts 2.42, and this is where we're going to end. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Church, we need to make prayer a priority in our lives. And sorry I went so long today. I know this has been one of my longer ones, but it's important. Prayer is important. And it needs to be a priority in our lives. I'll tell you this last Wednesday, uh, I was so blessed because right after we got done, we got done a little bit earlier than normal, and we had about 20 minutes, and we all just stood together, and we began to pray. And we prayed for about 20 minutes, all of us in turn as they felt led to pray, and it was an amazing time. I love spending time in prayer and spending time with the Lord. And we also have that same opportunity every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We have our prayer meeting in there, and that's a great time for us all to come together. We stand together. I know that when we pray together, it's not about, it's not about uh, trying to overwhelm God. And like we think if we just get enough people praying that God's like, well, they've got 23 now. I guess I have no choice but to answer it. That's not what it's about. But it's instead we are coming in agreement together with one another. And we're standing together. Because the scripture says where any two or three agree on a thing, then it'll be done. And we agree together and we pray together.
And I would encourage you, we sh- there, there shouldn't be a single person that comes to this church that's not in there at 9 o'clock on Sunday. It's only an hour earlier. We pray for about half hour. You can say, well, I don't know how to pray. I'm not really sure. Well, one, we learned a little bit today, right? Just bring a Bible with you. Begin to pray the Scriptures. Read them out loud. That's fine. Or listen to other people pray. If you want to learn how to pray, you listen to other people pray. When you started your job at work, they didn't just throw you out there and say to figure it out. What did they do? They gave you a trainer, right? And they showed you how to do all the things that you were supposed to do at your job. You were trained. And that's how as disciples that we get trained. We spend time with other believers and we learn how that stuff works. So I would encourage you, come, pray with us on Sunday mornings. Learn how to pray and let's stand together and let's contend for one another. Let's contend for our church. Let's contend for our city. Let's contend for our children and lift them up in prayer. Amen? And let's do it together. And let's just make sure that we're devoting ourselves to prayer because it's so important both individually and corporately as a church. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand to your feet. Hallelujah.